Welcome to Desert Rain Community Radio, Dispatches from the Burge. Today we continue our Pathways to Presence uh, series, and the topic is submission. David Morrison and I sit down and talk about this idea of submission, some of the um, negativity around it, um, but also why it might be useful in enlarging and evolving your spiritual life and how it has worked for us in different ways in different contexts but before we get into that thank you to danny west he does all the editing and sound engineering thank you to monk drums and jacob nedia that's what you hear in the background right now if you want to learn more about desert rain community check out theruined.com also, if you want to find other episodes of Dispatches from the Verge or Road to Desert Rain, both um, series from Desert Rain Community Radio, drcrpod.com or wherever you found this episode. Uh, if you enjoy what you're hearing, please tell a friend. Word of mouth and social media really helps us. We appreciate you and let's get into it. Welcome back to Desert Rain Community Radio. It's been so long, I can't even remember the name of our podcast. <laughs> we have so many podcasts <laughs> that we're engaged with. Um, well, in my imagination, I am. I have like 10 podcasts the in Dorian my imagination. Mason experience. <laughs> but only one of them actually exists. Um, we are back at it in the podcasting realm. We are... Uh, kicking back off with the Pathways to Presence uh, episode, episodes, and um, today's topic is submission, which um, for me, seeing that title before I actually put some thought into it and read through the, and, and for those that maybe haven't listened to the past um, episodes, uh, we're, we're using the topics out of the book Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. Um, we're n- this isn't like a book study where David and I are talking about the book specifically. We reference it, we use the topics he's using, but we more focus on our experience with it. Um, and so I, I, I think where we can start, David, is usually when someone hears that word submission, there's, uh, especially in 2022, I think there's a really negative connotation oh, yeah. with it. Um, and so we'll get to that, but I think it would be more interesting to start with, um, from your perspective, what, you know, maybe the, the elevator pitch or the, like, why would, why would you recommend this idea? It's, it's a huge idea, but why would you recommend that to someone, um, in a spiritual context or, or spiritual practice? Yeah. Uh, yeah. If it was, it was controversial that the idea of, submission as a spiritual discipline and as a way of life, if it was controversial in the early church, the New Testament church, uh, most assuredly it's uh, even more controversial (laughs) today uh, because it's been abused in so many ways and it's misunderstood. And, uh, and I'm not claiming I understand, Mm -hmm. you know, have the full understanding of it. It's just all I can speak to is, how I've worked that out in my life up to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I, I just forgot your question. <laughs> what, what, why is it important? Yeah. Why, why would you recommend if someone oh, okay. came to you yeah. and be like, you know, I I've had this negative connotation. I've, you yeah, know, yeah. the church has abused, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, um, yeah. or, or, or a friend, you know, maybe it wasn't even the individual, but they've witnessed, you, you know, you can do an easy Google search and see right. these, you know, people in power, not just in church, but in all right. facets of life. But we're talking about church and spirituality yeah, you know, and so you can do a quick Google search and be like, "Oh, these gurus or pastors or right, whatever right. taking advantage of it." So, or it's been sexualized <laughs> too in popular culture. Yeah, that's so you so you may not want to do a Google <laughs> right. search unless you're ready. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> be prepared, my Are friends. Are those my parents? <laughs> um. So uh, so if you're gonna twist, yeah, yeah. you're gonna flip the coin and and sort of the recommendation of at, right. even if you're not gonna do it, but like having an open mind around it. Yeah, what would that look like? Uh, it's essential to the whole Christian story, the story of Christ, because here we have, you know, in in the Christian narrative, uh, the invisible one, the Almighty One, the 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 great mystery of mysteries, mm-hmm. uh, submits to becoming a human being, mm. and submits to death on a cross, and submits to being emptied out into powerlessness. Uh, and and surrenders that power uh, in in so you know in every way possible. Well, he's an immigrant. You're right. Yeah, it's all by his design. Family, his family's poor. Exactly. He's yeah. he's in a uh, he's an oppressed people group uh, occupied Palestine by the empire of the day Rome, and he's uh, he's of the you know. Uh, the, the the occupied Jews mm-hmm. at the time uh, possibly aligned with Samaritans who were rejected even by the Jews of that time for racial and cultural religious reasons. Right. So so yeah, the last of the last of the least of the least, and and even now in Christian theology, uh, uh, Christ is most identified as as in uh, the the parable that he gives in Matthew. Uh, 24, the sheep and the goats. Uh, he is still very present in the least of these in the world. If you want to know where Christ mm. is in the world, he's in those who are suffering, those who are marginalized the most, uh, those who are forgotten and abandoned. Right. And so, and that's by design on part of the, the Godhead, if you will, this ultimate surrender, this ultimate submission. So, so that's why it's so important in, and that makes sense why it would be so misunderstood and abused as well, because it's so essential. So I guess the follow-up question, you know, if, I, if I'm playing the other side of the card is, okay, I understand that the submission is the foundation of Christian or of the Christ story, right? which, you know, ideally the Christ story would be Christianity, but you know, yeah. there's, there's yeah. some, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not Jesus of Nazareth. I didn't come, right. you know, I'm, I'm not part of that. Um, if you're thinking about like separation, I'm not part of that Godhead, which I don't, I think we're all part of that Godhead. Right. But if someone doesn't have that same look, it's like, so, so in 2022, why is that relevant? I, I I understand why it's relevant to the Christ story, but why is that relevant to modern Christianity? Uh, it's, it's this idea of, uh, this concept of discipleship to become Mm. Christ's disciple, 
to become a student of the Holy Spirit. I don't mean student as in scholarly. Right. Although it may, it'll take you to scholarly places. But Wait, you're not gonna. You're not talking about apologetics. <laughs> no, I'm talking about the school of life, the school of experience, uh, and um, you know the bulk of Jesus' teaching was mm-hmm. what does it mean to be my disciple, to be a follower. Um, Richard Rohr points out, you know, in in the four Gospels, Jesus doesn't ask for worship. Mm, he, right. But he does say, follow me. Yeah. Uh, and so it's very, so in some ways, worship can become an artificial uh, spiritual bypass. Uh, you know, I, I sang some songs to Jesus. I said some prayers right. and therefore I'm exempt from following him. I listened to K-Love. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and that's the popular stance of the day anyway. How can you become individual individually self-empowered and self-aware through mm. Jesus uh, through the Bible through our church mm-hmm. uh, through our programs uh, and and it's and it's almost like Jesus is going the opposite way mm-hmm. of you know of discipleship which is carry your cross how many times does he say that mm-hmm. pick up your cross daily and follow me uh, I actually had a conversation I might have mentioned this I don't know we've done so many podcasts. But I've had that conversation with, like literally had that conversation with a pastor. And he said, not me. I'm not picking up my cross. Mm -hmm. Jesus carried the cross for me already. So that's very clever sounding. Uh, uh, It's good on a Sunday morning when you're in your your suit and speaking in front of a bunch of people. And he's not absolutely wrong. He's he's appealing to grace that you can't save your soul. Mm -hmm. And you need the grace of God. It's the free gift and all that. But discipleship uh, is is submitting to uh, the reality that's around you, mm-hmm. uh, or, or Paula D'Arcy, or to me it's famous because I think about this statement a lot. But uh, God disguises herself uh, in the form of your own life, mm. and that's where you you learn submission and surrender. Uh, or another way to say it, I'll use therapeutic language. Uh, mature people, people who have who have matured somewhat in life, um, have learned to be resilient with the realities in front of them. Mm. Immature people demand that reality conform to their ideals and uh, needs and wishes. And so, when you're still demanding uh, reality to conform to your expectation of what it should be, uh, you're you're, you're, you're not in submission, uh, and you're miserable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you can learn a resilience through submission, then you accept the reality that's in front of you and you move with it. You discern through the Holy spirit in our, in our Christian context, uh, what's the next step, you know? So. Well, and one of the things, and I don't want to go too far. Well, we've joked that this podcast could just be called silence and service. Yeah. Um, and I think that title's taken probably (laughs) every title's taken at this point, solidarity, (laughs) silence and service. Um, (laughs) but he templative outreach uses that he talks about submission naturally flowing into service. Yeah. And I don't want to talk about service too much today because that's our next pathways to presence topic will be that one. But I think for me that opened my mind 
more to this idea of submission being like, Oh, okay. When I, when I'm open to this idea of submission, all it really does is open, you know, open the floodgates or open the door, whatever, you know, whatever analogy you want to use to service, which if you sit down with me and we start talking spirit, eventually it's just going to, for me, it's just going to be like, well, what, what's the service behind it? You know what I mean? Like, how are you helping your neighbor? How are you, um, being a better, you know, interacting with your family in a healthier way? How are, you know, just how does it ripple out? Right. Right. Cause the inward, all of these inward disciplines are important, but it's like, okay, how does it ripple out to the, you know, you know, to you use some of the language we talk about, like the kingdom on earth. Right. Right. Um, and so, and, and the example of, of Jesus washing the feet, you know, he, you know, being God, but still in front of his disciples, with his disciples, washing their feet yeah. and submitting in that act of service. Um, yeah, just it, it hit. It, it just last night and this morning going over this chapter, that one that one really hit for me of like, uh, OK, yeah. and opened something up for me. It's revolutionary. And in our culture, when we think of revolutionary living, you think of uh, the, the buzzwords of freedom self uh self sovereignty mm-hmm. uh exerting my will on others uh being an individual yeah but the early church it was a radical it was a radical submission because uh you got to think in the 1st century especially in the roman empire which was the dominant culture mm-hmm. of the world at that time at, at least you know in that context yeah in that yeah. context uh it uh, it was very patriarchal, and and you had and you had to know your your place in society in that pagan world, and it was a case system, just like uh, mm. you know you've, you've it's been famously pointed out in India, mm-hmm. but the United States has a case system as well, and there's a book you could read called Cased, but anyway, uh, that's very good um, about the American case right. system, but but the idea of that time was. There's an order to the universe that the gods have set in place. Mm. If you're born a slave, then you need to live a slave and and do your part and behave yourself right. and stay don't, in that Don't get out of land place. now. Yeah. And so the Christians upended that. And so here's Jesus taking women seriously, mm-hmm. which was not done in the first century. Uh, apparently, they're having struggles with it in this country still. Uh, I've heard. Uh <laughs> He he uh, accepts children. Children were not seen really as human beings, as people. They were possessions. Mm. Uh, he he receives them. Uh, you know he he. Well, he even asks for that. He asks for that. Yeah, he wants to interact with them. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and then and then uh, the early church had you'd have a, a meeting. They called them love feasts. Uh, it was a combination of the sacrament, what became the sacrament of the Eucharist, mm. and a meal together. But the radical nature of it was that you'd you'd have some nobleman man um, sitting next to a slave, mm. and they're equals at mm-hmm. this table. That, right. that was so. That was the real scandal of of Christianity. They were upending this natural order of things, so to speak. Right. And and uh, and it became political. And and if you think you can be a Christian and not be political, uh, you're really naive. Yeah. Because that's what got them. That was the persecution. Yeah. That was what was behind it. Not this 
belief that, you know, another, because they could accept the idea of other gods. That wasn't the, the issue mm-hmm. for Rome. It was don't upset the apple cart, right? which is exactly what they did. Uh, if you look at the Paul's uh, letter to Philemon, it's this tiny little strange book in the New Testament. Uh, a runaway slave, Roman slave, had uh, crossed paths with Paul, uh, became a disciple, and and so Paul, being a Roman citizen as well, and a Jewish rabbi, right. he writes uh, the owner Philemon uh, on, on the part of... Uh, Onesimus, and he and he basically tells Onesimus, your your part of submission is to return yourself willingly. Mm. And then he told Philemon, who was also a believer, your part of discipleship and submission is to set him free when he gets back. See, and then they become two equal people at the love feast mm-hmm. and and get to so that's where that's that's a serious yeah, that's radical thing. Very radical. And I think just to back up half a step to the when you're talking about the women and children, but even, you know, you had mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast, the Samaritans too. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just this, there's example after example of Jesus reaching out or using examples that would be highly controversial given the context of the time and, and crossing practicing what he preaches. Yeah. Crossing those barriers that he shouldn't cross. Um, And, And once you see it, when you read the four gospels and once you see it, and, and and in Paul's letters too, once you, it, it's not the exception; it's the rule. You see it over and over and over, the pattern of of crossing those barriers. Mm. Uh, it's not tribalism; it's anti-tribalism; it's universalism, uh, to uh, to a radical degree. Well, it's um, I can't remember. It's the opposite of hierarchical. Yeah. Um, it's popular in business talk. Um, for organizations, but Christianity really is that attempt to level the playing field yeah. across in its early flattening. In its early yeah, yeah, right, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's obviously evolved in a much, uh, much different way. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Middle Ages would like to have a word with you. <laughs> so one of the uh, one of the really interesting things, uh, well, it was interesting, but I think more so for the context of our conversation. This idea of he, uh, Mr. Foster lays out multiple things to submit to. And so I just wanted to go through those with you and just, and kind of hear your understand or not your understanding. Actually, that's not the right way to put it. Um, how you have, uh, either maybe you haven't right submitted to these, these different things. Um, and maybe how that's ebbed and flowed, um, or, you know, non-existent or whatever. But the first one he talks about is um, the triune God, so the Trinity, right? And um, so I guess just to start there, where, where in your spiritual walk in your life have you seen, have you interacted around um, submission to the to the Trinity? Yeah, I think that would just simply, at least at this point, so... Uh, so this is very tricky. These spiritualities or these disciplines are very tricky. Mm-hmm. So, so I would I would describe the first half of my life, if you will, was a very intentional and willful 
uh, submission on my part. So I would mm-hmm. pray those kinds of prayers. That was a large part of my, I surrender to you. Mm-hmm. We would sing songs like that. I surrender, you know, we'd cry, <laughs> right. get on your knees. And, and if you haven't tried that, uh, spending a couple of minutes on your face with, uh, on the carpet in mm-hmm. prayer, it's, it's a very, it can be a very empowering thing. Yeah. So I, I did a lot of those kinds of things. Um, said the words of it. Uh, fasting was a form of that kind of submission mm. uh, to put me in a, a position, at least an attitude of submission. Right. Um, uh, but I, but I think all of that are those were just the fire drills, which okay. are important, but they're not the actual yeah. fire that save you know where you where the drill really comes. Mm-hmm. So so I think now it's more of a organic thing in my life. It just kind of. I guess because those creases, if you will, have been mm-hmm. so weakened in me. Um, so maybe on a, a good day, uh, I'm just a shit talker. Uh, just shit talk people. Right. Talk, and I talk big. And, yeah. and then when they show up, you know, I go humble. <laughs> <laughs> and and, uh, and and it's probably, you know, a third cowardice, you know. Uh, yeah. Coward, and we all th- we all are on a certain other level. third is uh, you know something out, you know is is a real desire to oh yeah to it calls it calls me back to that submission. Look, you're mm. here to serve people. This is a human being in front of you, not the caricature that you were making fun of for your entertainment. Yeah, uh, and so um, and we're all guilty of that. Yeah, when I shit talk, it's really it has nothing to do with the person that I'm shit talking. Yeah. It's for comedy, number one. Uh, it depends on the situation. Right. Number two, it's so I can feed my own sense of self-righteousness mm. and ethical position. And, yeah. You know, I'm better than them somehow. And, you know, has nothing to do with the person right. that I'm. Uh, and so, yeah. So then when I show up, when they show up or I interact with them and I see their face, uh, it snaps me back kind of naturally now, you mm. know, into a more uh, or situations in my life. Uh, I think, again, it's connected to that silence. Mm. Where I just, you know, God disguises herself as my, the, as my own life. Mm-hmm. And so this crisis that's in front of me, I'm going to dial down, as John Wimber used to say, as Quaker, center down. Or as the scriptures say, I'm going to be still and know that you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, be still and know that I am God, you know, the Psalms. I'm going to be still and then observe, wait. Uh, and see what will happen of this situation, you know, and uh, rather than will will myself into it and, you know, and try to see what is my responsibility to this, what should be my response. And I don't think you could have even a biblical ethic. This might be a controversial statement, but I don't think you could take a set of biblical principles or secular ethics and just broadly apply it to someone's life. Mm. I think it's each situation and each person is different you, know? you can do that but it yeah it's it's it'll, it's gonna get you in trouble more it'll times turn than, you into a hypocrite yeah, yeah or um and a, a good shameless plug here for our pathways to presence you mentioned fasting uh, if you go back oh, yeah, in our yeah. feed we we did an episode about fasting um and the other thing you mentioned was scripture and that's sort of the next one he mentions is submission yeah. uh to the scriptures and so i guess what does that look like uh during your your spiritual walk with Christ. Yeah. I, I, I don't recommend the popular way, which is, uh, 
you know, I don't know what to do about this situation. What does the Bible say? Uh, I, I just... Did you ever feel that way? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. And it'll lead you to very confusing because the Bible says many things. <laughs> it says a lot of things. Yeah, it's there a are big many book. books that span... <laughs> the claim... See, the evangelical claim is that the the entirety of the Bible spanning, you know, the, the centuries between them uh, all have common... You know, like it's a unified book of some sort. Mm. It has a common theme, and uh, uh, that's not true. It's a, it's a, it's a stretch. Yeah, they're selling it to you. So then, so how does, how do you look at it today? So I do it more generally. So one prayer that I use today, I'll, uh, if I'm feeling confused about something and wondering what I need to do, how do I need to submit to this, uh, respond to this, surrender? What do I need to surrender? You know, that kind of situation. Um, a cognitive prayer that I'll pray is, I take refuge in the heart of Christ. Mm. I take refuge in the teaching of Christ, which is the scriptures. Uh, and I take refuge in the community of Christ, uh, which is a ripoff from the Buddhist right. prayer. I take refuge in the mind of Buddha, mm -hmm. the teaching of Buddha, and the community, the practicing community. So I, so I'll say a prayer like that and they'll snap me back into that. Uh, and there might be a verse, you know, you might be doing, so I do still practice Lectio Divina. We read the gospel reading every Sunday. So usually I'm, you know, engaged with that mm -hmm. text. Uh, and usually the other three readings too, uh, the Psalm and Old Testament reading and, uh, and a New Testament epistle reading you know um but yeah yeah I, I don't i seldom do that anymore though what does the bible say you know you know right. go do that you know uh, go go check go check the because well, I, I know there's some there's some bibles that have the different it has scripture number pay scripture numbers and stuff right like you can look up marriage and it'll tell you oh, a bunch yeah, of different yeah. places. Concordance, yeah. Concordance. For sure. Yeah, that's the word I couldn't remember. And, and the reason why I bring that point up is because you can twist any text to bend to your will anyway. So when these people that say, well, it's not my opinion, it's the word of God. No, you've, you, they've gone into self-deception. Uh, it's it, what they're really, they've left out a key phrase, which is, uh, it's my interpretation of mm -hmm. the word of God. That's the final word. That's what they're actually saying. Or someone else's interpretation that I have bought into. Yeah, I, yeah. I have decided oh, I would yeah, agree yeah. with. Yeah, um, there is such thing as hive mind and there's such thing as... Uh, <laughs> as all, and the people that... And we're guilty of that too. Of course, because we're human beings. We're mammals. Yeah, yeah. That's what mammals we're, do. We're communal <laughs> animals. Um, so the next one after scripture that he talks about is submission to family. And so I don't know what that... Yeah, that's a that's a very... That rubs me the wrong way uh, in the sense of it sounds very privileged and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, suburban, mm. uh, upper middle class kind of thing. You know, uh, you could submit to your family because you can afford to, mm. uh, you, you know, and it's assuming that there's uh, both parents are in the house and, mm -hmm. and that you have... 
functional people Gra- in your household. Grandparents supporting. Yeah, and you have yeah, you have an external that. or an extended family that's supporting you. That's a lot of privilege there because mm. a lot of people do not have that, and 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 a lot of other people, uh, in, in in fact, worldwide probably, you know, probably in the billions, their family system because of the cultural. Uh, restraints on them are just crushing their souls. Mm. Uh, you know, the, those expectations that are put on them. Right. And so, and, and he, and you don't see Jesus doing that in the sense of, it does say he submitted to his parents from there on. That seems like an added verse <laughs> uh, to not upset that social familiar <laughs> yeah, order yeah. too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if you read really the four gospels, Jesus is not really your poster child for family values. Uh, well, even him just, as a kid, what teenager kid pieces out, like leaves his parents and goes yeah. and preaches at the synagogue. Yeah, and they're like, 12, Yo, where, yeah. where's Jesus at? Where did he go? Yeah. And they have to go all the way back to like hunt him down. Yeah. What a pain in the ass. He, he that's was. not, that's not a submission to mom and dad. Yeah, and, he, and the things he does to his own mother. Uh, and then he, uh, you know, and then somebody yells out in the crowd at him, you know, blessed is the woman that, Breastfed you. It's an odd thing to say. <laughs> Can you imagine at a comedy club, right. someone yelling that out? <laughs> and and he says, uh, "No, the one that does the will of God is is my mother and my mm. father and my brother." So, so I don't know. There's yeah. Uh, I guess the thing for me around that is because I've been such a rebellious kid, or I was such a rebellious kid, that as I've gotten older, trying to have that idea around. Uh, like just doing shit for my mom and my grandma that I don't really want to do, but it's not, it's, you know, it's not some kind of outlandish request. It's not, you know, some kind of toxic or manipulative thing. It just, you know, I, I, I wish I could think of one recently, but um, it's just like being of service. You know what I mean? Yeah, like just, that's a good point. Ju- just stepping into that place of being of service. Like if this was a stranger and they asked me this request, I would probably be much more open-minded about it. Yeah. But because it's my parents or my sisters or my grandma, then I have this certain like, oh, I don't need to do, you know, I, right. that's yeah. not for me to do. And it's like, well, maybe not, but maybe it is too, you know? And that's yeah. for me, at least uh, for my spiritual walk. And I think for me, it's one of those things too of, you know, we've talked about on the program, you know, this, this idea of making amends, you know, and I put my, my family through so much, stuff when I was drinking that it's like now that I'm not drinking I I can show up I can I can go above and beyond in 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 instances and I you know as always I fall short but you know you know grandma I gotta go but grandma asked me to take her dog down to the dog park to do his business it's like okay I I can yeah I can yeah I can spend 20 minutes and take Gus down to the because she she can barely walk right and it's like 100 degrees Right. You know, at three o'clock in the afternoon, she doesn't need to be doing, exerting herself that way. Yeah. Right. And so that, that's the, that's kind of what popped out to me this morning. Uh, thinking about that one was just, um, yeah, that's going back point. to that idea of service. That's a, that's a good point because that is, it does seem to be very common amongst, uh, Christians anyway. Uh, a common example would be someone whether it's a teenager or a middle-aged adult, it doesn't matter. They'll have a they'll have a conversion experience, a born-again experience. They'll become newly uh, 
newly saved. New, newly saved, <laughs> brand new. The preacher done washed my sins away. Uh, and, you know, and they, and they become, you know, a religious zealot. Right. And, which is very common you know, to happen. Uh, but then they'll start looking, they'll start carrying themselves with a, a kind of self-superiority over their family members. Well, oh. well, they're devoid of the spirit of God. They're less than human. There's mm-hmm. this attitude. There really yeah. is that kind of attitude. They hate me because uh, I have faith. And Jesus said, they'll hate you if you believe. <laughs> no, they, they don't. They can't stand you because you're an obnoxious asshole. That's why. You were, you were you obnoxious do beforehand. Yeah. And then you converted and you're still obnoxious. Exactly. You don't clean up after way. yourself. You don't flush the toilet. You don't, could, you, could you tip now and then? Uh, you know, can you serve? With right. the attitude of service, and, and uh, you know, and, and why would they want to become obnoxious like you anyway? So uh, you're you're pushing them away from God mm-hmm. and, rather than drawing them in. Well, and even the weird one I've seen is when kids or young adults get interested in in the church. Yeah, and then they they start putting a weird. I, not everybody that's. But I did. I've, I definitely I've, did. I've seen a weird thing where they start putting if their parents aren't quote unquote Christians, right. you know, putting this guilt trip on the kids. It's like, well, the kid is a sovereign individual. Like yeah. he doesn't need to go. He or she doesn't need to go converting their parents right now. Like yeah. this is something that's new and exciting for them. Like let them grow in it and enjoy it. Yeah. Which is why my parents, they were very patient with me when I was a teenager. Cause I was very, I was exactly that person I just described. So very obnoxious. Oh <laughs> yeah. They, their their Christianity didn't count because they were Catholic. Right. So, you know, and there's that attitude as well. That's awesome. So. That's, I mean, it's not awesome, but it's, it's retrospectively. Yeah. Um, the next one is, is uh, and it, it's sort of a bigger general one, but submission to our neighbors. Yeah. And, uh, and the larger, larger community of people we come in contact with on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. yeah. I mean, living in communities will crucify you it'll you know you want your your own sovereign you know you want reality which means other people in your life to submit to your idea of them so when you live in intentional community it definitely uh ratchets that up very quickly in a suburban context i guess you just call the hoa because you pay a thousand dollars a month And, David and, David just found out about the scam of an HOA. It's a bigger scam than televangelism. It's uh, an amazing. It's the biggest scam since insurance. And people buy into it. Yeah, they were just like, yeah, all right. I guess I got to pay five hundred a month for someone to tell me how to paint my house. Uh, but yeah, so so yeah, I mean that's something I I learned specifically from the recovery world is is. The, we call it fellowship, but community, and and uh, we use this phrase: practice these principles in all of our affairs. So you don't you don't just go to a, a recovery meeting, a twelve step meeting, and do the stuff that well some people do. It's like the real point is to practice these things so you can go out to everywhere yeah. and anyone you come in contact with. Um, be you know even not even useful. You don't even have to be useful, but just you know be civil you know a civilized yeah. you know a lot of a lot of drunks and addicts we show up without any kind of <laughs> yeah. civility in our our veins and so we we have to practice it um 
as many, you know, over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, and it bleeds into the next one, which was uh, the least of these, mm-hmm. you know, because that, that's, you know, the, you know, the, 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 the scripture Bible answer man went up to Jesus and asked him, uh, you know, what, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus is like, well, you're an expert in the, in the biblical principles. Mm-hmm. Uh, you tell me. And the guy's like, well, I've kept the commands and to love God and to serve your neighbor. And Jesus was like, then go do it. And then the guy's like, well, who is my neighbor? Because that's what, you know, that's where interpretation gets. Right. And then Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. So he, so he totally violated the guy's sense of cultural boundaries. And, uh, and then, you know, and says, go and do likewise. So, so your neighbor, again, is this outward circle that's always moving out, or this circle that is always moving outward, mm. outward and outward. Uh, in our social setting, at least in my experience, most people, you know, they, they like to keep these things very organized with lines. Mm. Uh, that person's my best friend. Really, there's no room for anybody else to be that best friend. Did they get a trophy? Right. Did you do a ceremony? My best friend. Uh, what is that, you know... Uh, what does that really mean, you know? Uh, and so uh, Jesus kind of turns that over on its head and says, you know, your enemy eventually is your becomes your your friend. You befriend your enemy. Well, that that's the one that always well not trips me up, but uh, you know, this idea of praying for your neighbor, being good to your neighbor, yeah. be, you know, being of service and and submission to your neighbor. Like that's like for me, it's like oh yeah, that's easy. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then. Um, and it, it's a little bit different, but I think the least of these, if I've made someone my enemy, then I, I have artificially put them into the least of these, yeah. right? And so for me, it's that going to that place of like, ah, oh, like praying for my enemies, like what the hell does that mean? You know yeah. what I mean? And really being like, even if it's something simple, like someone's just annoying me that day, right? Like. Yeah, that's where it usually comes down to. What, what, you know? Look, I can forgive Saddam Hussein, but uh, <laughs> this guy that's chewing his gum loud? No, screw that guy. <laughs> and so, you know, bringing him, and usually once, you know, you mentioned it earlier, it, it goes back to, it goes back to me. Like, it's not about the guy chewing the gum. It's, it's my, it's my state, right? It's where I'm at. Yeah. But, you know, still just being in that place of like, and this is only when I'm in a good place where I can actually think about right, praying for right. my enemies. Yeah, what but, if you're sleep deprived, overworked, and stressed <laughs> out? Eating, you know, eating, you know, not eating, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. And just, you know, pu- pushing the limits. And it's, you know, those are the times I snap. Hangry, I think, is what they call it. Yeah. But, um, you know, all those things, stress, uh, sleep deprivation, all those things play in it for me. But Well, during... Uh, like a good example would be after 9-11 and then the uh, very successful invasion of Iraq. Um, it, you know, we've forgotten those events over, what, 20 years ago? Uh, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people aren't, don't remember that. But uh, when that, between 9-11 and the, this very successful invasion of Iraq, uh, it was very popular to put flags everywhere. The, the mm-hmm. American flag was there. God bless America. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you did not see stickers of uh, uh, God bless Iraq. Yeah. Uh, God bless the Saudis. Yeah. God, 
help Af- Afghanistan. Uh, what was the asshole? Uh, what was his name? Uh, Osama bin Laden. Uh, Osama bin Laden. You know. Uh, you mean the guy I'm cosplaying <laughs> as right now? <laughs> yes. Uh, you didn't see that. And during that time, I was at a church that was uh, it was popular to wave flags of different countries, mm-hmm. and they but they had the Israeli flag very. Po- you know, prominently it was a little bit, a little bit higher, a little church. bit bigger. It was on the wall in the church, oh, okay. and then the American flag, yeah, Israel and America, because that's the evangelical thing. Yeah, uh, and then they'd yeah wave, and then during the the singing, the worship time, they would wave flags. So I told I kind of being a troll that I am, uh, mentioned to this guy, I say, hey, I'm going to bring a Palestinian flag next time, and uh, you know. And I didn't, you know, I wasn't totally serious. I was just kind of trying to be a troll. Yeah, you're pushing, and pushing he, buttons. And so this guy goes, if you do, I'll burn it. <laughs> and I was like, I thought it was Christ for all nations. Like, no. <laughs> Not that one. <laughs> Not Palestine, I guess. So, well, it's weird. I, I have so a, who is my neighbor? Yeah. I have a Jewish friend and she has a Palestinian flag in yeah. her house. It's not a big one, right? But it's, it's yeah. on her wall as, you know, as, the, as our, you know, she sees them as her neighbors, even, yeah. you know. Uh, and she said, she said she's had Jewish friends come oh, in. Yeah, yeah. And You're leave. an anti-Semite. Well, no, they just leave. They leave immediately. Wow. And she's like, well, I am Jew. Like they yeah. know she's Jewish. Yeah. Well, you're a self-loathing Jew. You know, they, you and, probably uh, listen to Wagner. You probably like Larry David. And so it, it's one of those things that like, yeah, I mean, for me, and I've probably shared this on the, the podcast cause it really hit me in a weird way. Um, but the night that it was announced Osama bin Laden was yeah, killed, yeah. I, I was coming home. It was, I was actually doing like a church class and I was driving home and there was this like, I had the radio on for whatever reason. And they were like talking about this big celebration. Wow. And I was like, what, like what I was like, what day is it? Like, it's not 4th of July. Like yeah. I was thinking, you know, and they were talking about people singing in the streets and the cheering. Yeah. It's not the switch <laughs> is my, you know, my holy day. <laughs> And then late, probably like 10 or 15 minutes into me listening. They had obviously already talked about What city about were you in? Well, I was in Phoenix, but the report Phoenix. was coming from D.C. Okay, yeah. It was like a national Yeah, yeah, broadcast. I remember that. It was an evening, I remember. Yeah. Exactly. And they said Osama bin Laden had been killed. Yeah. And I like, I... First, I started laughing because it, it, it was like something out of a parody movie. Yeah. The way the celebration was going, and it then I got Mike Judge kind of movie. I felt this deep, deep sadness yeah, of like me too. a man. He's a Just man at person. the end of the day. Yeah, at the end of the day, he's he's this. he's a man, and he decided, you know, for whatever reason, he decided that the United States was his enemy. But at the end of the day, he was still a person. Yeah, you know, and it comes back to that idea which you were saying earlier. Is like once you see the. Once you look a person in the face, yeah. the shit talking within us yeah, shifts. Yeah. They're not the cartoon um, person that I had yeah. sketched out. And so I can remember um, going to bed that night just with, and yeah, I can just remember going to bed with this, this deep sadness, not necessarily for him specifically, but just the world at well, large. Yeah, the way the world was yeah. left. Uh, yeah, it was, I was really, I've had the same feeling. Yeah. And I've, I've had that with other yeah, Saddam, other situations um but for some reason i that one jumped out as we were talking about it um and so la, la, and this is actually a good segue into the last submission is uh, submission to the world 
Yeah, yeah. Um, and I and I guess, um, yeah. Where where has that been for you, as far as you know your early early walk and and what does that look like for you today in twenty twenty two? Yeah, definitely in my earlier day because your growth of an individual, uh, you you become very nationalistic, tribalistic, clannish hyper individualistic, you know, those are, those are all just growing Mm -hmm. stages of your life. And so, uh, you know, and it's, and it's, and this idea of America first and America only, uh, that's just, that's, that's just immaturity because Mm -hmm. we're interconnected global world. Uh, he's a globalist, you know, they like to use that word as a filthy word. It's like, uh, no, we live on this globe and it is a globe. It's not flat. You moron. Uh, (laughs) well, we, we were confronted with that in a very real, real way with the, the COVID COVID stuff. Exactly. How it spread, it spread everywhere, regardless of what the countries did to try to not. It doesn't care what your nationality is. (laughs) It doesn't care whether you believe it exists or not, or the government made it or it's, a virus is going to spread. It's going to do what viruses do, yeah. which is try to kill you. And what, what can't kill you will mutate and try again. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, so we're, you know, we're, we're an interconnected planet. Um, and so when I pray for my family, praying, it's very empty for me to pray for my own family specifically mm. without keeping in mind my prayer for my daughter is every father's prayer for their daughters. My prayer for my parents is every son's son and daughter's mm-hmm. prayer for their parents. Uh, my prayer for my wife is every husband's uh, or every partner's prayer for mm-hmm. their partner uh, and to become aware of that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think these are, I think, I think there are spiritual experiences that, through disciplines, you can position yourself to experience them where you have this sense of uh, uh, this is a human family. Christ right. came to this human family, uh, that kind of thing. So, Yeah, the one, the one thing that came to mind for me, because I didn't think about it the way you're thinking about it, <clears throat> but it's true, right, that we're all one Christ family. Yeah. But the being a good, more of the environment, being a good steward towards Mother Earth. Yeah. You know, and and I go back and forth on that because uh, I guess within the last year or two. So David and I are Topo Chico addicts at this point, (laughs) and I've I've become very. You're you're in recovery for it. I'm still. I can handle it. <laughs> I, I, I'm okay. You are, you have the problem. I, don't. I, I do have the problem for sure. I don't have a Topo Chico problem. Uh, but one of the things it dawned on me is how much glass we were throwing away. You yeah. know, And at some point I, I became mindful of recycling the glass. And that broadened out a little bit to um, recycling, you know, just recycling in general. And it's one of those things because I understand the other side of it. It's like, oh, that, you know. It just gets thrown away anyways and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I go back and forth, but at the end of the day, and I was reminded of this morning going through this is just like, I'm making my little dent that may or may not be a dent, right? You know, I still drive a combustible car. I haven't bought an electric car with, uh, what's it? 
minerals made by <laughs> mined by slaves yet. But um, yeah. but just you know, I think P- about powered it. Powered by carbon based, right? Uh, Electricity. So, yeah. <laughs> I just think about like just trying to be that inspiration, right? Like if one other person yeah, yeah. sees me re- recycling glass and they, you know, for whatever reason, they, they use a lot of glass in their life. Like, okay, so maybe they, they kick in. Right. And, yeah. and just, just to, to try to ripple it through the world. Um, it's a small effort. Yeah. And, and because I can be the, I can be the cynic on the other side and yeah, whatever, just pour the motor oil wherever, you know what I mean? Yeah, I can yeah. go to the other extreme, which many um, have. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't, I don't want to be in that extreme today. Right. right. I would rather try to do a little bit to be a good steward of the environment and maybe it not make a difference, you know, a thousand years from now. Right. But for whatever reason, it helps me sleep yeah. tonight. And um, and I think that's good enough with some of this because some of this submission stuff is really hard. Yeah. And it's, an, it's an intentional act of of uh, kindness. In that, you know, and so in faith, you you hope that that matters for something, you know, mm-hmm. even though it may not stop the methane gas pouring in right. from the peat moss that's thawing out in the um, Arctic. So we, we still have a few minutes and, and I, we talked about coming, coming to it, but I, I guess it's a two part question. And so I'll, I'll start with the first sort of basic, easy part, but with someone that has been, uh, and maybe we'll focus on church idea specifically, um, but has been hurt by a person in power within yeah. church or a religious organization or, or, or maybe just someone, maybe it wasn't even, they weren't, maybe the person wasn't attached to an official part of the church, right? Maybe they were some kind of volunteer that yeah. um, took advantage of that, that, um, perceived power but you know besides the obvious of you know seeking therapy you know seeking legal ramifications against against the individuals if if need be but you know sort of this because i know if that happened to me i would this idea of submission would be just totally yeah not on the table you know and, and and in some instances rightfully so but what what would you, what would be your your words of wisdom to, to for someone maybe to just open their mind to the possibility of this spiritual practice? Yeah, I, I think it goes back to almost more of a therapy issue. Mm. Is that hopefully you can find another individual uh, that you can share that hurt with. And they could sit with you in a non-judgmental uh, way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by non-judgmental, I mean <clears throat> not just trying to talk you out of your own feelings, not right. that only, but also some of those, yeah, you really won't goad you on, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you surely were hurt. Look at, you know, they're a bunch of bastards. Because that's what we usually do, we think. Mm-hmm. That's not really being a friend. A friend holds space there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that they can work through that uh, and some people, you know, I've met people that have been very much abused by church authorities. Um, yeah. And so, and it also might mean, yeah, you may never return. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know, but then I know the opposite. You know, I, I know, I personally know Native American uh, Christians and um, 
when I started, you know, talking about people being abused yeah. by the church. Oh my God. Systematically right? abused. Yeah. yeah. G- uh, genocide, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, under the cross and the Bible. And so, um, but I've met them and they're, and they're submitted to, to, uh, the, the spirit of Christ. Uh, and not only that, I've, I've met, it's, it's amazing how many Native Americans on, on the, res- at least in these reservations, I, I, you know, I'm assuming it's probably across the country, uh, who, uh, willingly signed up for World War II. Mm. Uh, how many, uh, is the World War II, the number of vets, I don't know what the number is, yeah, but it just anecdotally, it seems very mm-hmm. high. And so that blows my mind, right? The willingness to forgive in a people of, from the genocide of another people uh, is, is an amazing. So find people like that who've overcome that. Um, there are people who survived the Holocaust and they have a, uh, they've worked through these very complex things. Um, and so they're, they're people to, to look to. Those are the people who have authority. Mm-hmm. So real authority isn't, real sp- spiritual authority are those who have learned to become resilient in their suffering. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and those are the people that you'd want to listen to and submit mm-hmm. to in that sense. Right. Uh, uh, yeah, and, and maybe it's also a lesson, a next lesson would be uh, no one can live your, you're the authority of your life mm, yeah, and right. no one can live your life for you. And, and, and that's where you can take back your power. If you were spiritually abused by a spiritual guru or a pastor, a priest, a teacher, whatever uh, is to uh, uh, take that power back because you were willing to give that power. You thought you had to give that power of, of living your own life, the responsibility of living your own spirituality. Uh, because you're the one that's, it's your life. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and that's a scary thing. That's not, <laughs> that's a scary thing. I mean, I'm responsible. I actually, right. a friend of mine, I, I, I witnessed him have that revelation in a parking lot in Albuquerque. It just hit him and he's like, right. you mean I'm responsible <laughs> for my spirituality <laughs> and I'm responsible for my worldview. I'm responsible for how I'm going to live my life and what that means to me. Uh, it was a very profound eureka well, moment for him. Well, it's a liberating and, and also terrifying. It is moment yeah. when you when those things hit you. That's that's a disconcerting reality to me. Is that it seems to me most people do not want that mm. response. They want someone else to tell them, mm-hmm. and that's why we have a lot of uh, a, a lot of people willing to prey on that. And be, you know, and, and end up with spiritual abuse. Well, and I think I think even parallel to that track is the, just go to the self help section. Yeah. And Barnes and Nobles. Yeah, at the Nobles. <laughs> you know, and, and people want to be. You know, it's called self help, but really, if you most books are telling you how to live. You know what I mean? Yeah, They're like yeah. you need to do this, this, and this. If you just follow our system. Right. Right. <laughs> um, and I, so I, I would like to end with this question, and it. It's more of a question to myself because it's really what I've been wrestling with, um, having read and listened to this chapter. But uh, for you personally, what what you know in your current life or your current context, you know, and it doesn't necessarily have to be right this moment, but you know, maybe it's been over the last year or two. What, what's been the hardest thing for you in and around this idea of submission? Oh, probably the early days of learning to live in community. 
Because we had to submit to one another, defer to one another, uh, live in a way where a simple thing that I do affects other people. Mm. Uh, and and they, why don't they see it? You know, and mm. uh, and learning to forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive and and uh, and move beyond it. You know, mm. in those stages of community, very yeah, very difficult. Yeah. The first night here yeah. uh, was was a very painful. Mm. thing it was all in my head right you know but you know, it wasn't anything circumstantially uh and so yeah it's, it's very it's a crucifying experience to live in community mm. that's beautiful man you feel good yeah yeah all right we're just under an hour so awesome i feel good say in america awesome um thank you for everyone tuning in thanks for uh uh coming back after our, our summer break um so to speak uh speaking of that david has edited down the oh, yeah. poems that Whew. will be be in the book and now we're shifting to formatting and those uh images and those sorts of uh extra things um 100 poems submitted booyah. yesterday. <laughs> hit the deadline i submitted uh oh <laughs> i missed i totally missed that uh, thank you to Jacob from Monk Drums. That's what you hear in the background. Uh, thank you, Danny West. Uh, he does the editing and sound engineering. Thank you, Mr. David Morrison. Thank you, Mr. Mason. For, for your time. Um, so, yeah, until we uh, meet again, we'll see you next week.